0: I'm Abby Hornacek. I'm Ben Dominich. I'm Dana Perino. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday,
1: November 20th, 2023. I'm Mike Emanuel. Congress is home for Thanksgiving week, but it won't be long before lawmakers are fighting once again over government spending. The challenge for House Republicans is staying unified while dealing with President Biden and a Democrat-led majority in the Senate,
2: the Senate doesn't want to take it up. The president doesn't want to negotiate. But ultimately, it's going to become a big part of the funding of government fight that happens in January.
3: We speak with House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, Alyssa Brady. Thanksgiving dinner won't cost quite as much this year, but the long inflation fight isn't over.
4: Customers are putting one less item in their basket than they did last year. Even though customer count traffic is up, they're buying a little bit less.
5: And I'm former U.S. Senator Scott Brown. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown.
1: A new House speaker is dealing with a lot of the old headaches getting a handle on runaway government spending. Speaker Mike Johnson says it's time to get back to the proper way of authorizing funding.
2: We're going to force it the way it's supposed to be done. The Budget Control Act of 1974 spells this out in the law, and nobody's followed it here for years. And that's why we have the economic crisis we have, that right. combined with Bidenomics and their policies. We have to change how Washington works, and we're in the process of doing that. This is a necessary first step.
1: Minnesota Republican Tom Emmer, the House whip, says the Speaker is leading on fiscal responsibility. What Mike Johnson did, here
5: is he has given us weeks that we need desperately to get the appropriations process done. For the first time in 30 years, we've got every bill that has come across the floor now. They are all ready for conferencing with the Senate. And I believe once we get back, uh, that's exactly where our speaker is going to take us.
1: But postponing the spending fights until after the holidays is less than ideal, according to Pentagon Deputy Press Secretary Sabrina Singh who is also pushing Congress for emergency funding for allies currently at war.
3: Operating under a short-term continuing resolution hamstrings the department's peoples and our programs and undermines both our national security and competitiveness. We also urge Congress to pass our supplemental funding request that would allow us to keep supporting Ukraine and Israel.
1: Former Trump Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says the U.S. must take a lesson from the Hamas attack on Israel since the Biden administration has not been able to get a handle on the crisis at our southern border.
6: And the attacks now six weeks on in October 7th were in the planning for months, if not years. Goodness knows what might be taking place inside the United States that has also been planned by Iran over the last months and years. It's a real risk.
1: With concerns like these echoing across the U.S., the border crisis is a clear front burner issue for leading House Republicans.
2: Securing our border is a top priority. In fact, if you look at the big fight that we're going to be having in January with this you know, kind of broken up funding of government, the, the border security battle is going to be the biggest battle that we're going to engage this president in. Majority Leader Steve
1: Scalise is a Louisiana Republican.
2: Joe Biden opened up the southern border when he became president, you know, sent a message around the world. It's it's countries from all over the world that are coming through our southern border, people on the terrorist watch list, the drugs that are coming over, killing about 150 young people a day, fentanyl and other drugs. And yet Joe Biden doesn't want to fix this problem. So we passed a bill through the House, H.R. 2, a strong border security measure. The Senate doesn't want to take it up. The president doesn't want to negotiate. But ultimately, it's going to become a big part of the funding of government fight that happens in January.
1: To that fight, what about this struggle to get government funding done? It has not been easy. Uh, you were obviously at the right hand of Kevin McCarthy with his struggles. Now you're at the right hand of Speaker Mike Johnson. What about getting all House Republicans on the same page so perhaps you have some leverage in dealing with Democrats in the Senate and at the White House?
2: Yeah, well, the ultimate battle that we're having over government funding is that as we're trying to lower spending in the House, and if you look at the bills that we've passed through the House, you know, we funded about 80 percent of all of government that's passed the House of Representatives. The Senate is finally starting to take some of those bills up. So we need a real negotiation with the Senate. And I think we're gonna see that happen between now and the end of this year, where some of the bills that fund government, you know, like the Department of Defense, uh, you know, we pass money to fund Israel's defense to go and battle Hamas and crush Hamas. Uh, The Senate needs to engage in these uh, battles as well. The Senate needs to work with us on not just the spending levels and lowering spending in Washington, But also all the policy riders to limit some of these federal agencies because Mike, the real damage that's done in Washington is not just the spending that's driving inflation, which is very real, but it's all of these agencies coming up with rules and regulations that are crushing small businesses, crushing our ability to compete with China, with foreign countries. And so every federal agency is doing it. And in each of these bills, we limit and push back on the ability of these federal agencies to have Rules and regulations that nobody voted on, and those are all a result of the Biden administration caving to the radical left, the extremists on the left, who who just want to shut down American energy, American industries, uh, and they're exempting China, they're exempting a lot of the other countries around the world, and it's hurting our country.
1: There's intense focus, understandably so, on Israel right now, our critical allies in the Middle East. Um, it may have put Ukraine on the back burner a bit. I'm curious where you are on what the United States should do about the war in Ukraine and, and also about the war in Israel.
2: Yeah, Israel is clearly front and center, and Israel's an ally that we have supported uh, not only with, with financial support but with military support uh, for decades. If you you know you shift over to Ukraine, obviously that's a different battle. It's Ukraine fighting Russia, Russia invading uh different parts of Ukraine uh, and and America's put a lot of uh, money on the line like other European countries have put money on the line to help in this fight one of the things that we've been frustrated by is that we have not seen a clear plan from president biden on what the long range goals are you know what we hear inside ukraine that we're we're not sending in the most advanced systems that they're asking for in U- in ukraine to to be successful and so people don't want to fund a never ending war they want to fund Something that's going to be overwhelming uh, so that we can get this over with and and help the people of Ukraine in a more definitive way. And we haven't seen that from the Biden administration. And and I think that's resulted in a a lack of support in other ways. But that's something that we we're continuing to press the Biden administration to show. And they still won't do it for some bizarre reason.
1: As I travel the country, I know a lot of Republicans were thinking you would be a great next House speaker Uh, You remain the House Majority Leader, and your fellow Louisianan, Mike Johnson, is the new House Speaker. Uh, Tell us about him and what it's like working side by side with him.
2: Well, I've known Mike Johnson really for almost 20 years. You know, we go back when I was in the state legislature, I knew Mike. You know, when he took over as Speaker, there were a lot of things that were kind of on the back burner that we needed to move up. And uh, as Majority Leader, I've been able to work really close with Speaker now, Mike Johnson. To get our agenda moving forward again and get our agenda on track and, and to start pressing the Biden administration on the things you and I are talking about, like border security, like limiting spending and, uh, in helping our allies around the world, like Israel. So, you know, Speaker Johnson, I think has come in very quickly. Uh, while, while he had a lot thrown on his plate in a short period, he's holding up to the pressure really well. And, and I think he's got the full support of our membership which is critical because, you know, we have a lot that we need to unify on in a very, very small majority. And if we're going to be successful at pressing the Biden administration on all of these fronts, we have to stay unified. And he's done a really good job in his first, he's not even in his first full month, uh, but I think he's been very successful at helping unify us and focus us on the battle at hand so that we can get this country back on track.
1: I know you're very proud of your home state. I know you are happy to tell people about the great state of Louisiana. What does it mean to Louisiana to have a House speaker and a House majority leader?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it kind of came about that way. It wasn't planned that way. But, uh, you know, I was already the majority leader. Uh, and then Mike got elected speaker as kind of the fourth nominee for speaker. We went through a few of us. But, you know, I, I think when you look at this, you don't. Obviously, you're not parochial. You're not just looking out for your own state. You're looking out for the country in this battle. And Mike and I are both conservatives. And if you look at the trend over the years, our, our Republican House majority has become more conservative over the years. So I think the idea that, you know, both Mike and I were also both chairman of the Republican study committee, which is kind of the, you know, the largest group of conservatives in the Congress. And so, you know, we approach, Uh, the things that we're dealing with as conservatives first and that's where the bulk of our of our majority is and that's i think why we've been able to help unify this conference
1: is a principal focus for you and him right now selling your fellow house republicans that unified you can get things done but if there's not unity you really are going to lose to the democrats in this town
2: yeah and, and there's nothing but ripe examples of what, what it looks like when we're unified and when we're fractured. You know, when we're unified, we passed great bills like HR one, uh, the, the energy bill that lowers energy costs, that would make our country independent again, where we don't need to rely on countries like Iran, Russia, Venezuela. Uh we passed that bill with only Republican votes. Then you look at the border security bill. Decades and decades we've seen bad border policy. And for the first time ever, we passed a really strong border security bill, H.R. 2. We had to come together to get that bill passed with a three-seat majority, and we did it. But if we're going to pass those kind of big policies to show the country, you know, what does good conservative policy look like, contrasted with a far-left radical Biden agenda, uh, then it only happens if we come together. Because uh, Hakeem Jeffries, Nancy Pelosi, the far left doesn't want to do that.
1: The investigations into President Biden, as well as the son, Hunter, have been a priority for House Republicans. Uh, What are next steps as you see them in terms of the impeachment inquiry into the president and digging into Biden Inc., the family's business dealings?
2: You've seen the impeachment inquiry yield a lot of smoking guns. And in fact, you've seen the White House itself change their story on a lot of this. You know, you go back to the beginning of the Biden administration when they were bragging uh, even during the debates, Joe Biden himself said he never even talked about his business dealings or his son's business dealings with his son. Well, that veil has been lifted because now we have checks, large checks, $50,000, $200,000 checks going to Joe Biden himself through shell companies, Mike. Uh, shell companies that trace in some cases back to the Chinese Communist Party. You know, and again, the White House was saying, oh, no, don't worry. There were no business dealings in foreign countries. And and Joe Biden himself wasn't involved in any of those conversations. Well, now you have recordings and, and whistleblowers who have come forward through the impeachment inquiry who said not only was Joe Biden involved, he went to some of those dinners with those foreign business leaders. The one thing that hasn't changed is that the facts keep getting more overwhelming. And we're going to continue following the facts where they lead. Obviously, it's an impeachment inquiry. If it leads to impeachment, that's where the next step would be. But the facts are driving all of this. And and the facts are not looking good for Joe Biden or his whole family. Again, you've got over 20 different shell corporations, millions and millions of dollars, some coming from foreign countries, including the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, This is not a good look for the president. Uh, He's got a lot of explaining to do, and he won't answer any of these questions. So we're going to get the answers ourselves.
1: I'm confident a lot of people listening to this right now are praying for you. You've been through a lot. Now you're dealing with cancer. You sound great you look great. How are you feeling, sir?
2: I'm feeling great. Mike. I appreciate it too. The Thank prayers you. have been wonderful and, uh, God answers prayers, but, uh, you know, we, we listen to what the doctors say, the treatments are going really, really well. And, um, you know, each step of the way we, we've been through a lot through the years, but you know, God only gives you what you can handle. And, and he's been good to me. Uh, he's definitely given me a lot of tools to battle the things that we've handled as well. So we, uh, you know, we're blessed this Thanksgiving and, uh, You know, we appreciate the prayers along the way that's helped us uh, get strength.
1: House Majority Leader Steve Scalise wishing you and your loved ones a joyous Thanksgiving. Grateful for your time, sir. Have a great week.
2: Great being with you, Mike. Happy Thanksgiving.
5: This is former U.S. Senator Scott Brown with your Fox News commentary coming up.
3: Ready or not, the holiday season begins in earnest this week as millions of Americans travel for Thanksgiving.
6: I thought it might be a little bit hectic, but that wasn't going to change my plans for travel.
3: The TSA expecting its busiest holiday travel season ever after a high number of passenger screenings already this year, seven of its ten busiest days on record so far. Perry Cooper with the Port of Seattle and Seattle-Tacoma Airport says timing matters.
2: If you're in a hurry, and you've got a lot of bags that you need to check in. You need to get uh, get to those ticket counters. Get here that extra time and make sure that you're going to be able to get through the process.
3: It's now nearly four years since the COVID lockdown in March of 2020. The past few years have had many challenges too, though, and high inflation has taken a toll. The American Farm Bureau Federation says Thanksgiving dinner will be about four and a half percent cheaper this year than last year, but still about 25 percent more expensive than 2019.
4: Well, I would say for Thanksgiving, you know, there's a couple ups and downs of.
3: Stu Leonard Jr. is owner of the Stu Leonard's grocery chain.
4: You know, you have like eggs are down 20 percent from last year, you know, because we had the avian flu. Potatoes are down a little bit. But overall, um, we have kept our prices as tight as we can. We're about the same as last year. What you'll notice is some of the consumer product goods, the boxes, the brand names that you see, in the center of the store, that's where most of your price increases have occurred. um We're like 80% fresh at Stu Leonard's, so we pretty much ride the supply and demand curve. And you know, when a product's plentiful, the price will come down. When there's a little tightness on it, uh, the price will go up a little bit.
3: I know. Turkeys, um, that supply may have been impacted previously by the avian flu epidemic as well. How are turkey prices and and supply compared to last year?
4: Turkey prices are about the same as last year. We're holding our same price as last year. But, you know, one thing people have to look at, too, is quality. You don't want to sacrifice quality at all. Um, A lot of suppliers, you, you look at shrinkflation, you look at different ways that some people have been able to cut corners and one of the things we've been very careful about is keeping great, great products that, you know, look, your Thanksgiving table, uh, you know, sure, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge as far as inflation and some prices have gone up. But overall, you want to have a great meal with your family. That's first and foremost at Stu Leonard's.
3: I know you You do highlight your suppliers, including many local farms. um, It sounds like that kind of helps to insulate you, you know, from supply chain issues. What about the shortage of truck drivers in the U.S., though? Does that have any bearing on your business?
4: Well, you know, we buy from a lot of family farms and a couple things that have really increased. And you just mentioned one of them is the cost of transportation that has really gone up. And, you know, a big driver of it is fuel prices, and and also labor at the farm. Uh, every farmer, our egg farmer, our meat, our ranchers out in the Midwest, you know, I talk, or even our turkey farmer, they've all had to pay more for uh, labor this year than they did last year. So, you're seeing them getting squeezed a little bit right now. They want to hold their prices as low as they can, but you're seeing transportation fuel labor, and also in some cases, feed prices have gone up.
3: Where do shoppers kind of draw the line on prices? For instance, milk prices might go up, but they still need milk. Um, So do the things that they consider to be expendable change over time? What products they skip if they have to skip something?
4: Well, you know what we call it um, there, Lisa, is pocketbook friendly, Okay, we're noticing at Stu Leonard's our customers are putting one less item in their basket than they did last year, even though customer count traffic is up. Um, they're buying a little bit less, so they're aware of of prices right now. Um, you know, when we do a demo, it used to be, "Oh, I like that. Throw it in the cart." Now they're sitting there pondering whether they should buy that extra container of guacamole. You know. Um, so, you know, the customers today are conscious. I would say, if if we go over nine ninety nine a pound on say a cheese, and we go to ten twenty nine or ten forty nine, sales go down. Okay, so we want to keep uh, uh, our prices sharp, and um, you know, not not raise prices right now. And of course, it cuts into our margins, but you always wonder whether you want to do the volume or not. And you got to keep your prices sharp in our business.
3: How do all of these price pressures impact prepared foods? Because I know that's something that's been, you know, rising in popularity all over the country, right? Be it, you know, having Thanksgiving, a prepared meal, or just any other meal. Meal kits have become popular, Do you notice that they're more popular at Stu Leonard's as well? And have the prices of enough, you know, raw goods, if you will, ingredients gone up enough that these prepared meals are, you know, a more comparable option now for people?
4: Well, you know what? They will never be comparable. If you want to save money, do it yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, If you get our chefs involved in preparing a meal, look, I got to pay the chef to make you a chicken piccata or or even a quesadilla or macaroni and cheese. You know, we have chefs making, that's our number one item on our buffet is the four cheese mac and cheese. You're going to pay a little bit more in the, uh, if you buy the grab and go. But I would say it saves you time. And especially a lot of moms and dads that are out there with little kids right now in the house—that's—that's that's crazy. Um, sometimes it's easier just to grab pizza bagels or a frozen pizza or something already made and put it out at dinner time, or, or rather than sit there and have to chop and and prep everything.
3: Some retailers are second guessing self checkout machines, either beginning to remove them at some locations or considering it, including Walmart, even Costco. Um the self-checkouts are a fairly recent addition at Stews, right? What has your customer feedback been with those?
4: Well, right now we have about 25% of all of our customers like to use self-checkout. Um, and there's some people just want to bag their own groceries. They want to make sure the eggs aren't in the same bag as the cantaloupe, you know? so they want to bag their own groceries they don't want other people handling their food Uh, they want to handle it themselves um and and from the retailer standpoint there's a big question mark about theft if you're bringing organic bananas up to the checkout and organic bananas are 20 cents a pound more how do we know the customers ringing up organic bananas there's also you know, a little bit of not check, not scanning everything at the register. So the thing retailers are looking at today is everything going through the checkout being rung out, period. And number two, is it being rung out correctly? Now, on our side of it, we have 12 checkout lanes. We have one cashier there to walk around and supervise. So we're actually saving some money by not hiring all those extra cashiers. So... You sort of wonder a little bit, is the cost of the savings right there worth what you think people might be um, uh, stealing?
3: Right, so, kind of a trade-off.
4: Yeah, you don't really know. And I think Walmart's probably studied that and figured it out. Now, I would say it probably also has to do a lot with um, the communities that you're in. We're in some pretty nice suburban communities at Stu Leonard's and i would say 99.99% of all our customers are great honest people you know i'd let them you know, give them my wallet you know i wouldn't worry about it but you always have that one little you know uh, group out there that's going to try to take advantage of of the retailer so you know it depends on the market you're in and and um uh, you know, we're evaluating self-checkout now. So far, it's going well. Our customers like it. We don't see a big theft problem, but we're continually looking at
3: it. After Thanksgiving, the holiday season kicks into high gear, happens fast. It's happening already. Um, Christmas trees, fresh trees were were hard to come by in some areas last year, or at least harder to come by than usual, maybe for the past few years. What's your outlook on those for this year?
4: You know, I was just asked that question by a customer, and uh, we have plenty of trees. We're going to sell over 50,000 Christmas trees, okay? Um, and we get them up from Sherbrooke, Canada. Um, and fortunately, it was nothing near where all those wildfires were this summer. So I was a little nervous about that, but um, our trees are basically just up over the Vermont border. Um, that's where Sherbrooke, Canada is, and... And they're pruned like five times a year. So they look like a Christmas tree. So they're perfect. And they're fresh cut. And we're just starting to get deliveries right now. And when you talk about Thanksgiving and you're getting into the holiday season, we got 50,000 turkeys we got to sell in the next week. And boom, the day after Thanksgiving ends that Friday morning, guess what everybody wants to do? Let's get in the car and go pick a Christmas tree out. So, So we're shifting gears immediately right there. The Christmas trees look beautiful. I just checked them out on our lot this morning. We got a load of uh, 1500 trees in. Um and they look gorgeous. And there's plenty of them. And and the price is about the same as last year too.
3: Stu always positive, always helping your customers to to stay positive. Stu Leonard Jr., thank you so much for your time.
4: Okay, Lisa, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving everybody.
0: a look at the week ahead. Monday, the commission investigating the deadly shootings in Lewiston, Maine, will hold its first meeting. The seven-member panel will discuss the path forward following the shootings that killed 18 people. (laughs) Tuesday marks the anniversary of the Mayflower Compact. Signed by Pilgrims before landing at Plymouth, Massachusetts, it was the first framework of government written and enacted in what is now the United States. (laughs) Wednesday, Squid Game The Challenge debuts on Netflix, a game show based on the popular South Korean series. Thursday is Thanksgiving Day, a day to show what you're truly thankful for. You can also enjoy the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and three NFL games throughout your Turkey Day festivities. Friday is Black Friday, as shoppers look to get in on some major holiday discounts. Saturday is Small Business Saturday, a chance for shoppers to show support for local retailers. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Matt Napolitano, Fox News.
6: Listen to the all new Brett Bear podcast, featuring common ground, in depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his All Star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Scott
5: Brown.
0: What's on your mind?
5: When California Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom admitted that cleanup efforts in San Francisco were a consequence of fancy leaders coming to town, end quote, he did more than say the quiet part out loud. Newsom showed the true winner of his policy goals. It's Xi Jinping, president of the People's Republic of China, who sat down with President Joe Biden at Wednesday's highly anticipated Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation meeting. Whether intended or not, Anti-competitive decisions from the left-wing politicians are kneecapping American innovators. Take the tech sector. This fall alone, departments within the Biden administration are pursuing high-profile lawsuits against Google and Amazon, two of America's homegrown success stories. Newsom has signed legislation targeting both companies, despite California's role as the incubator of technology that changed the world. Meanwhile, the Chinese tech industry is exploding. Earlier this year, four of the five most downloaded apps in the United States were Chinese-based. TikTok grabs the most headlines, but Timu, an online marketplace to rival Amazon, emerges as the most downloaded app in the U.S. earlier this year. Timu is faced bipartisan congressional scrutiny with the U.S. House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party issuing a scathing report earlier this year, concluding the company relied on slave labor for production on a regular basis. Consider energy. Green extremists like Biden and Newsom have made their disdain for American oil and gas abundantly clear. Earlier in his term, the Biden administration had issued the fewest federal oil leases since World War II, while Newsom signed a law forcing all new cars to be electric in a state by 2035. Here's the problem mass scale production of EVs requires lithium ion for batteries. China dominates the market for minerals that make up the EV batteries, especially the lithium ion battery. In 2021, China produced 75% of the world's lithium-ion batteries, compared to with 7% for the United States, according to the International Energy Agency. The recent Biden-Zhi sit-down is not likely to yield long-term policy consequences, but it's no mystery that Beijing already considers itself an equal of the United States. At the recent Central Financial Work Conference, they announced plans to accelerate building a financial powerhouse. The question should be why our elected officials are making it easier to achieve that objective. Xi Jinping and the Chinese communist government should be seen as detrimental to the interests of the United States. Yes, it is infuriating that it took a visit from Xi for Newsom to lift a finger to clean up California. The New York Times described San Francisco as having, and I'm quoting, the air this week of teenagers frantically cleaning up after a house party with their parents on the way home, end quote. After the circus around the Biden-G meeting leaves town, the real anger should be directed at liberal policy agendas that are forcing American innovators to take a back seat to their Chinese competitors and the long-term implications for our citizens. My name is Scott Brown. I'm a former U.S. senator and U.S. ambassador to New Zealand and Samoa.
3: I'm Dana Perino. Join me for my brand new podcast, Perino on Politics. As we analyze the 2024 election cycle, make sure you subscribe to this series on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts and leave me a rating and review.